From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Ah, welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. You found us. This is The Conspiracy Show, and we're coming to you from our flagship station, Zoomer Radio, right here in Liberty Village, uh, Toronto, Canada. 50,000 watts of peace and love, my friends. A crop circle researcher, uh, filmmaker, Patty Greer, is standing by uh, with the latest on crop circles. She has not one but two new documentary films. When does this woman sleep? Um, not very often, I'm guessing, but that's Patty. She is just a, a whirlwind and a force of nature. And if you haven't heard her on the program before, you'll soon discover that for yourself. She is a very passionate uh, woman. So we'll get an update on the latest on, on crop circle research. Um, Albert is here running our HOA. Ian Robertson, of course, on the other side of the glass, twisting the dials and knobs. And uh, it's kind of crowded in here tonight. We've got another uh, gentleman, Jonathan Franz, is uh, with us in studio. He's um, an intern on the program, and he's been helping produce my weekly feature, Strange Planet. And he decided to come on down and uh, see how a radio program comes together. So we welcome Jonathan into the fray. Uh, please get on up to the website, strangeplanet.ca. That's your portal uh, to this radio program. Just click on the radio page once you're on there, strangeplanet.ca. And uh, Albert and I have posted our usual assortment of stories in the slide carousel up at the top. Uh, now, for all of you time-traveling fans, uh, there is a great piece there from the folks at com- um, cosmicscientist.com. Cosmicscientist.com, heralding possible proof that time travel to the past is in fact possible. Uh, Physicists have been able to send particles of light into the past. I'll repeat that. Physicists are able now to send particles of light into the past. Maybe we should get uh, my good friend Dr. Dr. Ronald Millett here on the program and and, um, uh, get his take on this, of course. He has been working on a theoretical time machine at the University of Connecticut for many, many years. And uh, I would love to, to, to find out what uh, Ronald has to say about this. Uh, in a most provocative piece from ScienceVibe.com, uh, NASA is proclaiming they will find alien life in the next decade. Uh, so those are just two of the stories we've posted in the slide carousel. Just go to strangeplanet.ca and click on the radio page. I just wanted to give you a quick update on something we talked about last week. Colin Hall was with us uh, from England, and he was uh, talking about this mysterious, um, the M6 and Paris crashes. If you didn't hear the show, uh, back in November, I believe, 2009, there was a multi-car pileup on the M6 near Birmingham, England, and the crash was supposedly uh, precipitated by a blinding flash of light. This is according to uh, witnesses. Uh, then you had the crash, and the first three cars were on fire. The tarmac was on fire. Nothing unusual there. Then it gets weird. Um, supposedly, when emergency services arrived, they discovered there were no occupants in the lead three cars. Completely gone. Vanished. Uh, then six months later, a similar occurrence near the Eiffel Tower in Paris. Same thing. Multi-car pileup. Flash of light. Cars on fire. Road on fire. Now this time, though, the occupants in the the, the first couple of cars, uh, there were fatalities, four fatalities. But the the bodies, supposedly, 
momentarily disappeared and then reappeared. Uh, and then, you know, there's, there's more to the story. Uh, I encourage you to Google M6 Paris crashes and, and Colin Hall. But last week on the show, we played a, a piece of supposed uh, police audio tape that has just surfaced. And I don't want to play the whole thing, uh, Ian. Let's just give people a, a taste of that. And, and this is what we, we heard last week on the program. This supposedly uh, is adding some authenticity or credibility. This is a police audio tape, uh, an alleged police audio tape of that M6 crash. Let's have a listen. That's uh, an alleged police audio tape that's just recently surfaced and perhaps adding some credibility, authenticity to this whole M6 uh, Paris crash uh, story that Colin Hall recounted last week on the program. Uh, Then I got this email, received this email from someone named Matt. I'm not going to identify him further. He said, having listened closely to the alleged police radio audio recording during your interview with Colin Hall, I felt I needed to let you know. I'm absolutely certain that it is not authentic. I was a UK police officer for a year and a full-time firefighter for 15 years. I trained in the West Midlands, Birmingham, where the M6 is located. During these 16 years of operational experience, I used emergency radio procedures on a daily basis. Although it's not totally clear from the recording when a police officer arrives at an incident, he uses a state zero or code zero message uh, to inform control he's in attendance. Upon arriving at such a scene, an officer would not uh, be t- uh, talking back and forth with control on what he is coming across at the, uh, as in the audio clip. He would have to make a quick assessment of the scene and then relay to the control what resources he required. It wouldn't be normal practice for control to tell the officer what to do as controllers are commonly, commonly civilians, although they are often overseen in the control room by a sergeant or inspector. Something about how the scene played out between the two men speaking just not, just did not ring true. And also the constant use of over, even though correct, sounded fake and staged. I've never heard anyone speak like that on the radio except rookies during their first week on patrol. The term RTA, road traffic accident, was used in the recording. It's supposedly from 2009. But since approximately 2000 or 2001, emergency services adopted the term RTC, road traffic collision, because supposedly there is no such thing as an accident. Well, that's what we're told, he says. Uh, Matt goes on and um, uh, says that the audio recording as a whole comes across as a fiction. The unrealistic pace of events, the fact the officer calls in everything to the control room, uh, example, a separate call to tell them the tarmac is on fire. Uh, he said that wouldn't happen. And then receive instructions on what to do, the lack of control room call sign in the messages, 
the incorrect terminology, and in my opinion, the wooden, unrealistic dialogue leaves me with no doubt whatsoever the recording has been faked. Uh, I hope this is of use to Colin and your listeners. And he goes on to say that he's very open-minded about these things, but he just, as someone who worked um, as a police officer and a firefighter and used, uh, you know, was involved in radio transmissions, he, he says this does not ring true. All right. A quick update for you on that. Patty Greer is one of the hardest working crop circle filmmakers today. She's the filmmaker who discovered a band of coded communication between two balls of light just before they produced a crop circle in seconds. This incredible discovery was caught on film uh, and um, she's made now I think she's up to about a half dozen crop circle movies. Uh, she has a new one out. Uh, uh, called The Crop Circle Diaries. She has another new non-UFO film called Women of Today. Uh, and we'll, we'll touch on that briefly, but we really want to get the latest on, uh, on Crop Circle uh, research. And it's always a pleasure to welcome Patty Greer back to the program. Hello, Patty. How are you? Good. Good evening. Hi, everyone. Great to have you with us. Uh, crop circle diaries. Now, I was I was joking during your intro. When do you have time to sleep? You've got uh, uh, two films coming out now, two new documentaries. Uh, tell me about the sort of the genesis of crop circle diaries. Well, it's actually not completed yet. My editor left um, actually four hours ago. I feel cross-eyed at this point. Oh, bad. But uh, I am hoping, and I'm pretty sure 99 percent that we're going to have the world premiere at Contact in the Desert, June 4th. So Crop Circle Diaries began as my confessions of all the bizarre things I've been through. I just figured, while I'm still here, I'm going to lay it down so that my friends and family that basically don't want to hear anything about crop circles and UFOs, you know, once it's common knowledge, it's going to be nice for everybody to say, oh, my God, you were telling the truth. Can you imagine, Richard, what it's going to be like when the rest of the world all of a sudden gets it and realizes the conspiracy show is now called the reality reality TV? I often <laughs> wonder about that. If this becomes, you know, too mainstream at some point, and it will, I suppose, that when the when the rest of the world catches up, that's an excellent point. But I I, I don't know. I, I see that as being a ways off. Um, so this this crop I don't circle. Think so. No. I mean, I think it's going to be forced on us very, very soon. Um, as the currency reset happens and the political reset happens, the awakening, I think, is going to be shocking. Well, I it... think very much when free energy hits, it's going to be so quick that it's shocking. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the, the, the earth is going to move under our feet, uh, literally and figuratively. Um but, mm-hmm. So this Crop Circle Diaries, this is, um, it, it almost sounds like it's kind of a behind-the-scenes, um, you know, of what happened to you while you were making the other movies. Is that about right? No, it's actually, um, well, I guess somewhat it is, because it's a lot of the incidents that brought these movies to right. fruition. Right. But ultimately, what happened two years ago, one of the very strange stories in the diaries was that I was taken to a place, I was speaking in northern Michigan, and somebody took me to a farm in the middle of nowhere to meet this woman, and I had no idea why, and it turns out that she was the secret partner 
of the only scientist in the world, William Levengood, mm. that discovered that crop circles were real and proved beyond a shadow of a doubt through massive amounts of biophysical evidence, repeated experiments, which is when science says, rubber stamp, this is true, and they proved that it's a real phenomena and that it's actually really enhancing the value and quality of seeds. So I was, um, I had no idea that that's who I was with for four hours, and it wasn't until I left and she handed me a goodbye book and I gave her a copy of one of my movies that I looked through the pages and said, oh, my God, you wrote this with a William Levengood. And she looks at the man. She said, you didn't tell her who I was. <laughs> so in that moment, after, you know, as I was leaving, I found out that I was with somebody really important to the understanding of crop circles. They keep finding you and you keep finding them. Listen, Patty, i got to take a quick time out. We'll come back and we'll uh, continue to talk about Crop Circle Diaries. Patty Greer. The hardest working crop circle filmmaker today. Back with more. Stay with us. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right. Welcome back. Patty Greer, crop circle researcher, filmmaker, is uh, with us. So there you were in, in northern Michigan, and uh, you were talking about good old lefty Levin good. Uh, and and some of the yes. and he, he was a he was a biophysicist. I mean, he was a sci- a hardcore scientist uh, who was hardcore scientist. And so people and they started so there sending I am him with his secret partner that nobody knew about. Right. And she knew everything. And what she knew was that all these people that think BLT is who he worked with for all of his life. Well, Burke, unfortunately, great man, had passed away, and. Um, Nancy Talbot and Levengood had it out in 1999, and they parted ways. And he wanted nothing to do with any of the fame and glory, and so he just went right back into the lab. And uh, Nancy went off with the name, having nothing to do with Levengood since 1999. So he was, so in fact, the, the be-all of- and the end-all of the BLT research team. It was it was Lefty Levengood, essentially, Correct. yeah. And it's good you know Lefty because then you know intimately some stories about him. But what people don't know, which is blowing my mind, is what I had to yank to the front of the movie because Penny, the secret partner, goes right in and she calls him Dr. William Levengood. Mm -hmm. And this is how the press suppressed William Levengood was um, this bizarre story of the fact that he actually had a speech impediment. And um, when he went for his final, he he did the college training to get a Ph.D., and when he got to the final ceremony where he had to do his presentation in front of three, not judges, but whatever the word is where you present for your Ph.D., at the last minute, one of those three people had pulled out, had to move or something came up, and somebody was put in his place that hated Levengood. Ah. And this was a really unfortunate move. On the other hand, it might have been, shall we say, a paid-for move. We don't know. But the person that came in had it against him and immediately got in his face. And that person was a competitor in the field, and he was trying to uh, come up with an answer to a very difficult plant mathematics issue, and so he threw it at Levengood for an additional Ph.D. question. 
And so what happened was Lefty took it on. And for the next three months, he didn't eat. He barely slept. And Penny said he lost 30 pounds. And he came back to the panel with the answer. And he was correct. And the guy was so angry that he got in his face and started yelling. And Lefty started stuttering. And he couldn't say it. And the guy started yelling, if you can't answer in words, you're not going to get passed with your Ph.D. And Lefty just fluttered and walked out. Oh, dear. And so this was a really traumatic thing for him. Penny said it was the only time he ever felt suicidal. And he never went back. He said, I've got the education. I don't need the initials after my name. And he never went back to finish it. So it turns out he was um, the scientist for all these, he had work at all these different colleges and was highly recognized. And he had 40 papers in scientific magazines, nature magazine and journals that were really impressive papers. So he had quite the enduring career. But when the National Science Institute, I believe they're called, called upon him to come to Washington and speak on his theory on, um, again, I can't say quite right, but his theory on glass, really advanced science. Um, he read the small print and it said, you need to have a Ph.D., so we officially called them and they said, um, you have the education, we understand you don't have the initials, you are an affiliate Ph.D., you have what we need, please come. And um, so they said that he could consider himself, uh, call himself a doctor, which he never did the Ph.D. behind his name, but occasionally he did call himself William Levengood. And because somehow they passed this huge rumor that he was a liar and a cheater and all this, they hid all the unbelievable research until now. And, and some of that research, you 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 mentioned it earlier, uh, that he was receiving seeds uh, from places like Israel and Australia and, and seven provinces in, here in Canada and across the United States and England, of course. And he studied these anatomical anomalies in these in these crop formation plants and the soil too. He, he studied the soil too, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, there were unbelievable biophysical changes in the plants that were undeniably non-humanly able to be made, the extended nodes. So when a plant grows, um, wheat, barley, corn, and, you know, the the really tricky ones to bend gracefully are corn because it's so thick or canola because it's round and hollow like an inch around. But when there are hundreds of thousands of them bent over and not broken, something anomalous has happened. So we look at the bends, which are called the bent nodes, And if they are stretched and then bent, that's anomalous. If they are burned, that shows us that something of high heat happened within that plant. So what Penny explains that their research proved was that a plant is made of cellulose, and somehow cellulose is plastic, so plants are, you know, cousin to plastic. But the liquid inside the plant, when hit with these frequencies of um, enhanced electromagnetic energies and a variety of different frequencies, they're like stacked, literally stacks of different frequencies, the, the plants respond immediately. And what they proved ultimately is that 
crop circles are not coming out of the sky. They're coming out of the earth. And they're coming out of the earth in these spinning, counter-rotating vortices of plasma. Whole different way to look at crop circles. Mm, right. And they explain that what we have now is two counter-rotating vortices, and because they're going clockwise and counterclockwise, and they're spinning very quickly, they are spitting out and pulling in a lot of matter um, with all this movement. And when you were talking about the different locations where they have experimented on crop circles, the thing that surprised me the most that she said was that the United States had some of the highest frequencies in their crop circles because we have so much open land where the winds can blow and build up um, that resonance. Oh, that's interesting. Pretty intense. I mean, I would think England, because of all the sacred sites, but they said America. Very interesting. So more of the amazing biophysical changes was the fact that they had these hardened leaves that they found on premise in the middle of the crop circles. And so they got those in the lab, and they were like a red, thick, hard. Then he peeled it off, and within this red, thick, hard metal, it turned out to be iron ore. So he pulls it off the back of the leaf, and it resembles the leaf. It had all the the um, cell wall pits and all the leaf um, elements of, uh, you know, where you could recognize it was the leaf. And so it had to have been molten. So this is a really big question. How is molten iron ore flowing through the air in a field in the middle of the night, and it doesn't burn up the field? Right, right. Now, this just can't be human-made. No. <laughs> the, the other um, thing that they discovered, and this was, I guess, earlier on, they had they had this crop circle seed sample. Uh, they had a control sample, and they were deprived of light and water for like two weeks. The control sample died, one would assume, the, the, not the seeds, the plants. And the, and the crop circle ones not only survived, but they were thriving even though they were deprived of light and water. That's pretty remarkable. Okay, you read Penny's book. Well, I haven't read... Didn't I've, you? I've read, well, I've read things about, about Levengood. I mean, I, I haven't read Penny's book, no. I just, I've read, I've read excerpts and things online. But that's one thing... Yeah, you're really well read because you know a lot of these things that the public doesn't know yet. It's wonderful. And that's why you're the host. <laughs> so, yes, I mean, this is all really relevant and important information. What they found was that, yes, the seeds inside the crop circles, he, they said no seed, no proper seedsman would give them the time of day. But being a scientist, he said, well, I have to put them in the germination chamber and experiment. So even though the seeds, it, it was actually, I think, four months that they were put in an envelope and they didn't do anything after he had put them in the germination chamber on the aluminum plate and uh, hit them with these, um, uh, what are the frequencies called? Um, I can't think of it right now. But he hit them with the frequencies. He was reproducing what was going on in crop circles and trying to see if he could make these seeds respond in the same way they were responding in crop circles. But you are correct. He had to. He learned that he had to put them into storage for a while after he'd hit them with the frequencies, and then bring them out and plant them like a while later. Give them the time, 
And when he did, he found that they could grow with or without water, with or without sunlight, basically in any weather or conditions, they had really strengthened the power of the seeds. And they were comparing it to the fact that inside crop circles, those seeds that had been hit with crop circle frequencies could grow up to 30 to 400% more food with up to 75% more nutrition per seed. That's huge. Let's suppress the guy. Find something. So they sent out the secret detectives, and they found that he called himself doctor, and they used it, and it worked. And some of the top people today are still going, oh, William Lovingood, he lied. He called himself a doctor, foo-foo, and they throw it away. I've been hearing it for the last month. Well, do, did you ever and find... All I can say is, did Please you... wait, I'll send you a copy of the movie for free. Right. Please wait. Did you ever find out who, who they they planted on that that PhD uh, jury uh, in order to to attempt to you know to to discredit him? Do we know who that person was? You know, that's a very good question. Somebody should look into that. I think that's a very good question. No, I'm so busy editing and trying to mm. finish the movie. Sure. No, that's um, not for you to do. That was and that, this was right. at the University of Michigan, was it? The University of Michigan. That's right. where he got his master's. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Unbelievable. Well, that's how it happens, right? I mean, I mean, that is how it happens. And, you know, I guess what stuns me is how intelligent the people are that have said to me in the last month, oh, come on, he was debunked. And, you know, they just go on and on. It's like, please stop talking. I really respect you, but seriously, you know, you took the blue pill. So punchline is, I came in the back door. I have no training. I didn't do research with all these misinformation all I did was go lay in crop circles and start filming the people that were in the circles with me day after day after day. And my movies just straight on tell the truth. And I have seen unbelievable suppression. I've seen absolutely no income except when I go and speak. And I sell a fortune in movies because people want the information. But it's so amazing how funded the people are that are out here suppressing it. Well, so, you, you talked about how they tried to confused. how they tried to stifle Levin Good and discredit him, uh, and for you, oh. it's been an incredible an incredible battle. Um, can you share with some some and I don't know if this is in the movie uh, Crop Circle Diaries, the new one that's coming out, um, and you say that should be available at, at Contact in the Desert in June. Yes, but I think it'll be on my website in a month. And my website is pattygreer.net, P-A-T-T-Y-G-R-E-E-R.net. It's actually movie number eight, Eight. Richard. All right, well, Uh, I can't keep up, Patty. I can't keep up. But I've made two in the last six months, which is just crazy. Um, So Crop Circle Diaries will be available soon, but Women of Today, we just finished last month. And... um, It was great to hear you introduce it because I thought it was my first non-UFO movie. Oh, yay, I've crossed over. Now people will like me again. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, thinking of a non-UFO movie, um, you know, it kind of came in the back door of this movie as well. But it turns out there's three women directly working on the Mars mission. So I guess it's, it's somewhat UFO. And then once I realized I had the three of them very important women, I threw in Barbara Lamb, who's done more regressions than most on contactees, and then I stuck myself in as the contactee. I figured, why not? So 
interestingly enough, we have Laura Eisenhower who turned down her free ticket to the Mars mission, right? Right. And this, she's the niece of, of the president, right? The great niece or the niece? Great granddaughter. Great granddaughter. Okay. Right. Yes. She's of, been very involved of in the. Eisenhower. Right. Mm-hmm. Very and, involved. And uh, she is so outspoken. Yes, she is that. Yeah. I've not had her on the program. I must uh, remedy that. Uh, well, well she, she talks so fast that my editor was like spinning when she walked out. He was like, and I said, it's awesome. It's perfect. And she nails it. But the other interesting thing is I interviewed a woman from Pakistan, lovely woman, four kids. Uh, she said, yeah, yeah, the hardest thing was learning, you know, um, science from a Chinese professor when I speak pa- Pakistani. So she's, you know, but turns out she is now and has been for years building uh, space shuttles that will be taking humans to Mars within the next 15 years. They've got 60 that will be in production, and she's working between NASA and Boeing as the liaison. There you go. All right. There you go. (laughs) Just another day at the office for Patty Greer. We will come back and continue to talk about uh, crop circles and other things. Stay with us. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, Patty Greer stays with us. Women of Today uh, is her new documentary. It's a non-UFO film, although, I mean, it certainly has a lot to do with, uh, with space exploration and, and the principles that are involved uh, in the, uh, in the uh, documentary. Um, I was just thinking as you were talking about some of these, uh, these women, uh, a woman I met recently in the Pacific Northwest in Ashland, Oregon. Her name is Asha Deliverance, and uh, she's uh, sort of in- involved in... Well, she makes these geodesic domes, uh, of course, that were invented by Buckminster Fuller. And um, these domes, she's partnering with NASA, these may actually be used for habitation uh, when we when we eventually colonize the Red Planet. And she, here's the cool thing of what she's doing out there. Um, they're also being used, they can also be used for emergency, emergency shelters, but she's very close to having them to the point where they can be printed uh, by 3D printers in 24 hours, and she's using a magnesium oxide substrate. There's a huge controversy about uh, Portland cement, which is used, of course, in everything, to build everything. That takes, the production of Portland cement, I've learned, takes up 15% of our entire energy needs just producing Portland cement. So if she can print these, imagine, you know, in a hurricane or in a uh, in a, an earthquake place, uh, devastated by an earthquake, all you do is you fly in, a 3D printer with some magnesium oxide, and you start printing out these habitations every 24 hours. Uh, it's it's mm-hmm. absolutely remarkable. But anyway, there's another one for you. If you ever do a sequel to Women of Today, Asha Deliverance, making these geodesic domes for use on the planet Mars. Um, well, I hope that there's a need for more of these films because it's long overdue. Just anyone, you know, just, men, women who are out there making a making a difference. Uh, those are the people that we need to, uh, you know, we we just lost Prince, and of course, prolific artist, brilliant artist. But we need to start paying attention uh, more to the, the people out there that are really these are the heroes, the people that are really pushing things forward and making a difference in all walks of life, not just musicians and and the artists. Um, so kudos to you for oh. making this film. 
Yes. I think well, that people that are really working on ascension are going to be the most important people as we move into this 3D printer era. And yes, again, we're talking about instant change when we finally bring in these new technologies. And the punchline of Crop Circle Diaries, really, I'm just going to get to the hour 15 moment. Penny says, we have spent the last um, era wrapped around fossil fuel as the base of our societies. The next societies are going to be based on plasma science. Mm. Right. Because plasma, when we learn to manipulate it, measure it, then we're going to be able to use the 3D printer and recreate anything. But we're going to be able to do it literally with our mind. This is very advanced, but again, it's the new paradigm, and we're just so on the edge. And all of these amazing scientists and discoveries, um, you know, we're just peeling off the suppression now. But... I think that's my piece. And the way I met Levengood, it was so bizarre that I was taken to Penny's to meet her. I didn't know who she was. The man brings me back to the hotel because I had to speak at 9 in the morning for this event. There was all these psychics and healers, and they had all their tents. So he drops me back at the front door of the hotel, and these two psychics are standing out front, and they're watching me walk up, and one of them just starts laughing. And I said, what's so funny? She said, the tall man next to you with the silver hair and silver goatee. And I looked left and right, and I said, excuse me? She said, there's a tall man that walked up with you. He has a message. Can I give it to you? Ah. Okay. She said, he wants you to know that he orchestrated this, and he's really glad it worked. And I said, excuse me, hold on. I'll be right back. And I ran through the parking lot, jumping up and down, trying to catch this man's attention. And he backed up, saw me in the rear view, and I'm panting. And I said, what did William Levengood look like? And he described him, and I said, oh, my God, he's here. This just happened. And a month later, when I went back to the farm, the first night I was there, I saw him walk through the door, and he said the same thing to me. And I'm looking at a hologram, and I'm laying in the bed just going, oh, my God, I do believe this. <laughs> I'm seeing it with my own eyes. And that's how I met William Levengood. And William Levengood is then, do you think, going back now a number of years, has, has he been sort of guiding you from the get-go? Because you always felt like you, know, you were I being led and wonder. pushed. And, yeah. I have to wonder. I mean, for 33 years I played music, and then um, it was cut short for Mercury Poisoning, and then I started making music uh, movies, and all those years of music, the four CDs, are the soundtracks for the movies. How did I know? <laughs> Let's see, that started at six years old, so have they been working me that long? I mean, i got to wonder. Well, it's like, the, yeah, it's a 50-year plan. <laughs> uh, tell me about these right? the, the um, these codes uh, that, that have been deciphered that you say could lead to the development of, of these advanced technologies I think you just hinted at. What I mean, what are these codes? What are we talking about here? Well, um, for example, and I don't know if, if I'd say codes for free energy, what we've seen is schematics. What we've seen is like an image. And for me, this was really a shocking story. In 2014, I took Sasha Stone into a crop circle, and it was this beautiful pattern. We saw it from the air. It was like jumping up and down, exciting. So 
so we we got the crew and the drone, and it's a beautiful day. And I'm just, I said to Sasha, oh, the hair will stand up on your arms. You'll get chills and goosebumps, and wait till you feel this. It's so great. So we walk into the formation, and I'm totally numb. I'm like, oh, my God, no goosebumps, no chills. What, am I too focused on producing film that I'm not feeling this crop circle? And we get to the back circle, and... Sasha and I go on camera, and we unfortunately agreed. I said, I got to tell you, there's a hill fort up there and a sacred site over there. We're on a ley line, so, you know, that's all true. And we're in over an aquifer of water, so that's that's the crop circle. But I'm not feeling it. I just don't feel any physical sensation. And there's these five women sitting in the crop circle in the big circle in the back. And so... Um, we turned the camera off, and I looked at the women, and I said, do you have anything to say? And the one woman goes, heck, yeah, we do. This is our circle. And I said, are you okay if we film you? She says, sure. So we hit the camera on, and she she says, we are the quantum energy generator team, the QEG team. And we were yesterday in the Avery Stone Circle sitting having a meditation with our technical team. And so there's 10 of us or 12 sitting around a circle praying for an affirmation a crop circle that will confirm that our that our device is spot on. Okay, let me just jump in, Patty. Patty, Patty, I apologize. i got to jump in here. We'll take a break and we'll finish this story up when we come back. Stay with us. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Patty Greer is with us, and uh, before we were... So rudely interrupted, Patty. You were telling us, so you're, you're in this crop circle. You're not feeling the, the energy that you would normally expect to feel when you walk into a crop circle. And there are these five right. women there. Now, who they were part of what team? What did they call themselves? They're the QEG crew, the quantum energy generator. It's another free energy group. We've got the serial effect generator team. We've got the QEG, the cashew. We've got all these different groups that um, are so close to really nailing it. So we're meeting the QEG. They had just had a meeting with their crew in the Avery Stone Circle the day before, and the following day they're in their crop circle three hours away, and we meet them, and we're, I'm saying, gosh, this crop circle is fantastic looking from the air. It's got every element of being a real crop circle. It's over an aquifer. It's on a ley line between sacred sites. And I'm not feeling it. So the ladies say they hold up a photo of their device, the QEG, and the next lady holds up a photo of the crop circle we were in from the air, and it was almost identical, Richard. And it's in my new Crop Circle Diaries movie, Three in a Row, where you see the QEG and its crop circle. But there's also the SEG, the serial effect generator, and its crop circle. And then there's also an Italian motor and its crop circle. So in other words, we need so to explain we, this, Patty. We need to explain this, that the, the crop, these formations are perhaps schematics uh, for these devices to, to help us create correct. these free energy devices or uh, some other device, advanced technology. Correct. Yes. And a lot of the crop circles that are sacred geometry, if we put a nail in the middle or a pin in the middle and spin that crop circle, what you're looking at is propulsion. And I did it to 60 of them, and what you're looking at is propulsion. 
And uh, maybe I'm wrong on some, but not all of them. Why? Why so didn't you feel the energy of, though when you went in? Why? I don't, I don't understand why you didn't feel the energy. When oh, you thank you. So let's get to the punchline of these layers of different frequencies that Levin, Good, and Penny came up with. Because here we are in a crop circle that is actually a real crop circle. There were humans meditating, asking for a crop circle, and then the next day, the circle makers delivered it. Well, what we found with Levin Good's research was that crop circles are coming out of the earth. They're not coming out of the sky. They're coming out of the earth. So it is actually, initially, and in all crop circles, they're initially coming out of the earth. And I'm just going to say the earth is alive. She is alive. We call her the mother. So the earth is alive. She's speaking to humanity and the skies because they see the crop circles also. And almost every crop circle comes through an aquifer of water. And so those geometries and codes go out into the waters, into the tributaries. So basically, these crop circles are messages from the mother but occasionally humans are meditating and ask for a crop circle, so we've got elements of human consciousness. And then there's also crop circles that we go in and we get dizzy, chills, goosebumps, tingles, hair stands up, really zoom, high electromagnetic field. Those are most likely extraterrestrial enhancements. Ah, okay. So there's ET, there's human consciousness, and there's always the Earth. So when we look at different crop circles, many of them we say, oh, humans were involved. It's fake. Well, guess what? It's really not. They came out of the earth in counter-rotating vortices, most likely, and it spun. And when Levin, Good, and Penny described as these rotating, counter-rotating vortices are spinning, they're on the ley line, they're pulling in and they're sending out because they're going in both directions, and then they're building. So if, in fact this is true, then I think this is how it's happening. The messages have been predecided by the earth and ETs or the earth and humanity if we were praying for it, whatever. The moment it comes out of the earth, it's spinning. And then it pulls in the frequencies that were pre-agreed from human, human consciousness, and it keeps spinning. And these are when Penny said these different frequencies have very clear and distinct boundary conditions because they are different frequencies coming from different places. Now, occasionally, you'll get a group of people praying. You'll get ETs needing a star map somewhere, or they're just assisting. So you've got a huge buzz and a relation to humans, and so all three elements are involved in the creation of this crop circle. So are you and saying... when you look at... Unless it comes, yeah. unless there is involvement in the formation of this crop circle from above, you're not going to feel that energy. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. I think that a lot of times when humans make them, you'll see broken wheat, and so we immediately dismiss it as a not real crop circle. And this particular one that the QEG were sitting in with these photos, I was like, yeah, this is, you know, broken wheat, human-made, and I was dismissive. On the other hand, I look at it differently now with this research, which says that humans are part of this. Right, and when you're saying so human perhaps, involvement, you're not talking about strapping boards on on shoes. We're not talking about a, a hoax here. You're saying the human involvement here has to do with their in, human the, 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 the intention, the power of intention. No, 
No. Talking about boards and ropes strapped to their feet and humans that had a dream last night. Because it's not just me and you that they have chosen to do this work. They also choose really talented artisans who are willing to have the dream and see that formation, strap on boards and ropes the next day, go out and make them. Now, I thought those were fake. Oh, I see on what you're saying. Hand, okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to stretch my brain. The three weeks when I went back to the farm, I literally held my head in my hands. Penny blew my mind. It actually hurt my head to think this differently. But human-made crop circles are not all fake because a lot of them were asked for by humans. And if they really do represent something that, that we have seen somewhere or it's an important message, it's interesting to realize that there's a lot more that are real. Where do we draw the line with real? But human consciousness is also involved. Now, I don't really think that really broken and chopped up crop circles are going to be considered real, but a lot of the ones that um, I know that in my Crop Circle Diaries movie, I remembered where I was taken. And somebody showed me the work of an artisan, Ariel Ali, and I saw these paintings, and I was like, oh, my God, this is the place. It was a crystal castle. It was underwater. Oh, my God. And the very next morning, I woke up, and the circle makers in England delivered a crystal castle with five drops of water underneath. And I'm flipping out going, oh, my God, this is a message. Don't tell anyone I said this. And then I looked, and I was like, oh, my God, this is the only circle of the whole summer a crop circle without a circle. It had rectangle stars, drips of water, but not a circle anywhere. And the very next morning, they did a huge circle above the crops of the Crystal Castle, a huge circle with a goddess inside. I kid you not. Hmm. I was in tears. Now, <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, just to, I'm not imagining this. Just to clarify then, Patty, so the, the, these schematics, the ones that, that um, mirror these advanced technology, these pieces of advanced technology, where are they, where, where are they coming from? Is, is, are they uh, from, from Mother Earth? Are they from the sky? Are they an interaction between humans, the sky, and Mother Earth? I'm going to guess it's all three. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm guessing all I have is my perception. But what we have here is a human team working on it, and we've got... Um, I didn't go in the... Um, all three of the formations. I actually was in the serial effect generator formation, and that one was very buzzy. Yeah. So, that one was up on the sanctuary. So again, I really think it's all of us. And the messages are also for all of us. And water is also involved, because they're always over an aquifer, and the messages go out into the water. So is that suggesting, so, then, I'm, that the, these advanced technologies are already part of our collective unconscious? We just need to pull it out somehow? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the geometries have been laid in mandalas for hundreds of years. I think everything's been in plain sight. And when we realize what's right there in front of us, we're just going to go upside our own head. Like, how did I not notice this? And that's why when I do my talks, when I do my movies, in the, not this one, this one's a science, but all my previous movies are all crop circles. They say, don't talk a lot, talk in crop circles. 
So I do want to encourage your people to go look at the films on pattygreer.net. There's six of them, eight of them now, uh, soon to be, but there's seven available. And the ones on Crop Circles, the Crop Circle Update, the Wake Up Call, is a condensed version that won a lot of awards, but it explains up until what we know now, um, really what it's like in the fields and just how beautiful they are. You know, he, we've been so scientific this whole show because I'm wound up with, you know, this new science from Levengood and the fact that he was suppressed because what he proved was too important for humanity at the time. But now that we're pretty much banning GMOs across the planet, other than, of course, my country that's owned by that corporation, um, we're going to need these technologies to enhance the food supply and to make these seeds unstoppable. Well, that's the other and thing we didn't get to, is it that, I mean, I think Levengood was also, you know, able, able to reproduce the effect on seeds and crops in a laboratory that was uh, yes. inside the crop circle. So, anyway, Patty, we'll leave that Thank for another me. time. Patty, thank you so much. PattyGreer.net. Please get on there and support uh, Patty and her work by uh, purchasing her documentaries. Patty, always a delight. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. You're a doll. All right. My website is strangeplanet.ca. Say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett. And as always, follow the truth.